and welcome back to a very special pre-season episode of the What The Fork podcast. It's a really exciting time to be a Sunderland fan right now. Patrick Roberts and Bailey Wright have joined Lyndon Gooch in committing another two years to the club. The fixtures are out and we've seemingly purchased one of the brightest young defensive talents in the championship in Dan Ballard. However, if you're anything like myself and you know very little about Ballard or his exploits, you'd be pleased to know that I've managed to rope in not one, but two fans who know a fair bit about him. First and foremost, it's a returning guest, although last time you were on the show, we were both in League One, so you're a bit happier than, I think we're both happier than we were last time, especially myself. Welcome to the show, Matt from Blackpool Blog, Mitch Cook's Left Foot. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good. I'm good, indeed. It seems only yesterday, doesn't it? But it's a lot of football under the bridge since then. Yeah, but thankfully both not in League One, which is the big, biggest and best thing, isn't it? Indeed. Feels very nice. Um, before we get on to Ballard, obviously Blackwell managed to cope absolutely fine, as I kind of expected in the Championship last season. And whilst I know, and a lot of us know, a lot of things have changed in the past few weeks, um, how was the return to the Championship um, when you look at it as a whole? It was great. It was it was a fantastic season. Um, I think it, it, in the end, it just about fulfilled my expectations. Um, I'm not a big predictor, but I did predict we'd finish 16th and we finished 16th. So um, for a while, it looked like we might just flirt with something a bit more. I don't think realistically we were ever quite good enough to do that, but we played... Um, really committed football. We gave some um, some of the bigger teams a bloody nose, which was very satisfying. And in a very Blackpool way, we tended to lose the games we thought we were going to win and win the games that everybody thought we were going to lose, which is which is fun. You'd rather have it that than, than the other way around, I think. Um, and we were good. And yeah, stuff has changed and we've had a bit of a, a, a rocky pre-season. So in some ways... I think the fact we've had a lot of disruption makes me almost anticipate this season a bit more because it puts a bit more um, precarity into it and a bit more uncertainty. And I think that's maybe more exciting than than if we were just going on, you know, thinking, oh, it'll be another mid-table season. So we will see. Absolutely. I think for some of the fans listening, you know, I kind of think about the championship and it's weird because um, I like to think I know a lot about football. Evidently, I don't. Um, as everyone listening to this podcast knows, I know tons about League One, tons about the Premier League. The Championship, we were in once in like 11 years and we fell straight through it and I hated it. So I kind of forget what it's like, but obviously there's huge differences between League One and the Championship. What were the main ones that you noticed with Blackpool and and what will Sunderland have to do to adapt to them? Well, I'm going to slightly contradict what you said in that probably out of, I think I probably went to about 34 of the 46 games, something like that. And and actually maybe in about 30 of them, I was thinking, I don't really see what the fuss is about this team, you know, because we, we, we're Blackpool and we don't have, we don't have a lot of money. We, we didn't sign, well, we signed a few players in terms of numbers, but we didn't really go out and buy what you might call championship players. Um, and we kind of matched, there were very few games, games we were, we were outplayed in there's less of the sort of you know the bottom end league one clubs like the sort of teams like Shrewsbury that just get behind the ball and, and whack it at an experienced big man and are all elbows there's a bit less of that but there still is some of that but every now and again you'd come across a side that felt just a world away from league one they felt like you know that that cliche that they're playing a different sport so you'd come across we, we, we actually got a draw at Craven Cottage but for the first however many 
minutes it was 25 minutes it was like it was like playing Real Madrid and every now and again you'd come across something where you go oh right okay wow we have no answer to this um and I think probably the thing that helped us cope was having a very pragmatic game plan um it wasn't particularly um pretty to watch a lot of the time but we were very very well drilled um we were very um pragmatic in the sense that to be honest after a few months of the season we went to getting in behind the ball and knocking it to Gary Medine so it wasn't particularly nuanced or technical I mean we almost became like the Shrewsbury type side of the championship if that made sense we were hard to beat we knew what we were doing when we got it forward um, and we played to our strengths and I think what really we did this season was knock any idealism on the head if that made sense, you know, any idealism about how you should play. And, you know, Critchley came into Blackpool with this big sort of, oh, he's the Liverpool coach and we're going to play the Liverpool way and we're going to do this. And we, we didn't necessarily do that in League One, but we were more expansive and more open, and more technical in League One. But really in the Championship, we got a lot of results through sweat and very pragmatic football and it served as well you know we beat Sheffield United away for example you know they played us off the pitch but they just couldn't score and we scored a fantastic breakaway goal from a long kick from the goalkeeper and we got quite a lot of results like that from just sort of frustrating some of these very technical sides so I think that would be part of it if you you know and that would probably suit Alex Neal to a certain extent if you can be tough strong pragmatic physical in the fight and and take your chances then then you will you will do well and i think if unless you invest a little bit more in sort of technical creative footballers don't try and go toe to toe with the with whoever's the fulhams and sort of bournemouth and teams like that because they'll outplay you and we didn't try to do that and when we did we got battered yeah yeah no i mean i'll be more than happy with a blackpool style finish i think and i think uh, there's definitely got the players that can step up in, in the same way that I felt Blackwood would so I'm, I'm looking forward to it but one player that's probably going to end up in red and white probably has already got the scarf above his head by the time I've got this out uh, Dan Ballard someone you know really well spent last season in the, the championship obviously with Millwall as opposed to Blackpool but there's a lot of buzz around him. There's a lot of fans coming to me at Millwall, Blackpool you know, you know a lot of fans from different places are telling me how much of a coup he is um, how much of a coup is, is Dan Ballard for a newly promoted side? Oh, Dan Ballard's an excellent player. And I think being blunt, I think Sunderland fans will love him. Um, if he'd come back to Blackpool, I'd have been really pleased. Um, we were sort of linked with him by a bit of lazy journalism because he used to play with us. Um, he's the main thing I would say about Ballard is he plays like a player who's a lot older than he is. I mean, obviously when he was at Blackpool, that was his, his first experience of league football, I think. Um, I think he might have played the odd, it might have played a Caribou Cup game for Arsenal or something, but he he looked when he came in physically, he looked very, so he's quite baby-faced um, and he looked like a player, you think, mm, okay, centre-back for, a, for a, 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 a side that we actually weren't playing very well when he came in. Um, we were, I don't know if you remember that season, we were, we were in the bottom two um, late October. And he immediately just struck you as a player with authority, a player who's calm and a player who really knew his position. He's a really sort of old school defender in a lot of ways who loves defending. Um, he's not, he's not, he, on one hand, you could see he was from Arsenal, you know, you could see he had qualities. And on another 
side you could see in terms of the way that sort of a lot of Premier League sides play sort of that like aping Man City total football kind of way you could kind of see why they'd let him go because not from necessarily a lack of ability or a lack of what you know kind of I think as a 40 year old centre half qualities but maybe not quite that total footballer style but I don't think you need that total footballer style in the championship and I think um in terms of, you know, you're saying you not that know that much about the championship. One of the sides that impressed me most this year were Huddersfield, who obviously did really, really well on a relatively small budget. And he's the kind of player I could manage imagine playing for Huddersfield. That you know that they were very all season. They were just very compact, very you know hundred. 100% effort from everybody, physically very strong, and everybody was good at playing the position that they were on the pitch in playing the position. They were a long way from total football um, and a long way from like the Man City kind of way of playing, despite you know who their coach was and his Bielsa links. But I could imagine Ballard kind of slotting into that kind of side, and I could imagine him playing for a decent championship side, not just you know a championship side. So I think you've got yourself a really good player. Yeah, it really feels like, I mean, obviously Sheffield United, Burnley, Burnley's just come down, Sheffield United walking around there. Blackpool obviously mentioned as well, and Millwall are ninth. So they're all sides that in the main stayed up um, quite comfortably or, you know, even more so, you almost got out of the division. Um, so as big as Sunderland are, and of course, I think we're the biggest club in the world, of course, I'm going to say that, I always will. Um, we are still a very much a newly promoted side and it's, it's quite a shock to me that we're spending what is apparently around sort of two million there. It's funny you mentioned about the, the style of play. I've spoke with a few people and said he is kind of that tough tackler. Someone even mentioned that he reminds him a little bit of, of like a, a Vidic style player, not the same quality, obviously, but in that kind of mould. Um, but I have also read that in terms of his, his ball playing is quite good. When you watch him, is he someone who's good at both or would you describe him as a tough tackler, old-fashioned or a ball player or is he a mix of both? He's one of those players who you will immediately think old school centre half, and then at times he'll surprise you with what he does. Um, he's not adverse to you know just clearing his lines and putting it in the stand and doing what is needed to be done at the time, um, but occasionally he'll sort of drop his shoulders and do a little step over or something, and it, it's it's quite surprising. And he's actually quite he's he's a decent passer. I mean, we we replaced him with Richard Keogh. And Keogh is one of the best defensive passers I've ever seen. Keogh's vision is tremendous. I want for just for comical effect, I'd quite like us to play Richard Keogh at number 10 just for, just for the laughs next year because his vision is sensational. Um, and I think the fact that we replaced Ballard, who was so important to us in that promotion season, and we went and got Keogh, it tells you a little about what sort of player he is because actually on the surface, Keogh looks like that kind of really ugly, ruggy, rugged centre-half who has his nose broken three times. But actually, when you watch him, he's a real footballer. And there's, there's that sort of quality in Ballard as well. He, he, he does both. Um, but he doesn't... He very rarely overplays it. I can't really remember him playing himself into trouble. He, he will take the pragmatic option first... And he'll do something else if that's realistic. He, so, you know, sometimes you get a defender that will is a bit of a footballer and they're a bit of a liability. He, he won't be like that. Um, what he is, is he's, he's a player you'll love because when the opposition takes a corner, he'll head it away, you know, or his positioning's pretty good and he's, 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 he'll, he likes a slide tackle and, um, or he'll go shoulder to shoulder with, with some big lump up front for the other team. And he does just everything, does what you want a centre-back to do. Um and the things we sort of celebrate about centre-backs, he'll do those. 
And he's also quite good at getting forward. He like he likes coming up for a corner. You know, when you get that that beautiful thing with the centre back, who's uh, the, the best bit of the game for them is coming forward for the corner. He's got that quality where he fancies himself getting on the end of stuff, or he'll be the he'll be the player who'll throw himself in at the near post and it'll glance off his head, and then somebody will put it home. So he's he's quite an asset at both ends of the pitch, I think. So I, I can't imagine Sunderland fans doing anything but loving him because I think he's. He's exactly what what you lot like in a player in that he'll give a hundred percent all the time. He'll come off his shirt, he'll be filthy, he'll 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 rip it, you know, he'll end up with a ripped shirt because he'll get in a physical battle and um you know, you, you like that at Sunderland, you know, you, you sort of you think of your cult heroes over the last few years. And obviously you like a you like a footballer, but you also like your catamole types who'll just get in there and 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 just give a hundred percent. And he he'll he'll fit into that. And I can't ever remember obviously it was the lockdown season, so I can't really go off crowd response to him. But in terms of um social media response and so on. I can't really think of any Blackpool fans who didn't absolutely love him. And when he, when he left, obviously when he went on loan, 99.999% of them all had him down as we want him back next year. You know, we really, and, and, and what more can you have? And, and we've, you know, we've not had a particularly good time with loans in the last couple of years. Most of our loans have been underwhelming. We've had some of those classic Premier League players who come down and just, they're technically good. They're obviously good at football, but they're not necessarily very good at playing matches of highly competitive professional football in front of crowds and getting kicked up in the air. And, and we've had maybe 60, 70% of our loans haven't cut it and, and hit. there was none of that with him. From the moment he stepped on the pitch and his first sub appearance, we're like, oh, this lad's got it. Regarding his game as a whole, I've got to be honest, it's the more I'm speaking, I spoke to a Millwall fan, I've spoke to a couple of Blackpool fans speaking to you just now. I'm obviously really excited because I've heard zero weaknesses. Does he have any weaknesses? Um, well, I mean, he, he's not slow, but he's not lightning. And, and he can be turned, you know, a ball over the top and a nippy little striker, he can be turned. Again, I'm going to say, you know, think of Richard Keogh if, if he's a player that you're familiar with. I think he's a fairly well-known player for pe- people. You know, Keogh is the world's slowest footballer, but he, he makes up for it in his brain. And Ballard is... is He's faster than Keogh, but he's maybe not quite as um, positionally acute as Keogh. But then Keogh's 36, so he's got all that experience. So he he can be turned and he can be occasionally caught a little bit out of position. But I think, you know, he's... I I wouldn't say that's a glaring weakness. That's just, uh, you know, if, if if he was... Also, Usain Bolt, then he would still be at Arsenal. You know, he, he wouldn't be leaving. And I, I don't think it's it's a notable weakness. Um, and he, he does get booked. You know, he'll get booked. Um, he'll go in, he'll, you know, he, he, he sometimes will go in. I mean, certainly with us, he was younger than maybe he's matured a bit for a season with Millwall. But he'll go in and sometimes leave a player on the ground where maybe you think, possibly he could have just headed that way he's not like a horrible aggressive player but he'll leave his mark on players and he, he'll occasionally miss time a challenge but having said that he'll never shirk a challenge and I'd rather have a centre half who's going to put the foot in or put the head in than not um, so he, he's, he's and he he got booked a fair few times for us and he certainly got booked a lot for Millwall last year and he did he got sent off for us once um, it, when he probably shouldn't have got sent off but I mean, that's nitpicking. Um, 
I think you really like him. And I think, I mean, I, I'm not one of those people who, who watches every game of football and pretends to know all about um, the opposition. But the last time I watched Sunderland play, you had um, Luke O'Nine at centre-half. And, and and he, I mean, he's a, he's a nice player, but he just looked so flimsy at centre-half. He just looked like he was there to get pushed over. You know, he looked like a terrier of a player, if you like. And Ballard, you won't have that with Ballard. He, he'll stand his ground and he'll be he'll be a bit of a rock. And the other strength of him was we actually had a horrific amount of injuries that season and we were basically playing a different centre-half pair in every week to the point where we were playing left and right backs at centre-half or midfielders at centre-half. And he never really skipped a beat. He wasn't phased by who he played with. He wasn't shaken by... Um, he formed a brilliant partnership with Marvin Ekpeteta, who's class, and Ekpeteta got injured for the running. And then he, I think he, he probably had a, about three or four different partners and he just carried on playing the way that he, he played. So he's sort of a player in that like football manager style where you get, you know, you get a good defender and then you, you, you sort of build around that. He's a player I think you can, you can rely on that Dan Ballard will do Dan Ballard things every week and there'll be the very similar sort of stuff. He was very consistent. I mean, I, I blogging about games, he was one of them players where, as a blog about games, I would sort of not say anything about Dan Ballard because I'd said it all already. And then he did that pretty much every week. I can only really remember him having sort of one slightly ropeyish looking game where he, I can't remember who he was up against, but, you know, somebody made him look a bit dodgy, but that was much more noteworthy than him playing well. So again, I think that's positive for you. Absolutely. Sounds great. Um, I'm loving this. Fantastic. Um, I think sort of penultimate question is we have kind of flirted under Johnson and under Alex Neal between a back four and a back three. And you'll know more about this than I do, but obviously we were both in the playoff mix when you got promoted sort of the season before last. And I specifically remember him playing, in my opinion, in a back four from memory alongside, I think it was Gretzen. I could be completely wrong with that. And you've mentioned a few more players. Is he more suited to a back three or a back four? Because I, I remember him as a back four. A I think, four. I mean, we, we occasionally play, uh, played a back five, but it was it was rare. And when we did, it was almost as a necessity. So a four was our default position. Um, he formed a really good partnership with Ekpeteta. Now, Ekpeteta's a right-sided, uh, a big right-sided defender. And Gretzen is a more, um, who's gone now, but he's a more sort of cultured left-sided defender. He's more of a footballing defender. Um, he also played with Jordan Thornley in a back four, who's another left-sided sort of bit of a... He, Jordan Thornley likes pinging a long ball or playing a bit of football. Um, Ekpeteta was kind of the opposite, With Ekpeteta is... is sort of a big unit who, who sort of likes defending. And he was equally comfortable with both sides, really. Um, in a back five, I can't really remember if he played in, in the back five. We, we played occasionally by necessity. But if he did, I'd have probably had him down as, as the sort of the linchpin of the middle of it. I'd stick him in the middle to do the heading and do the sort of the dirty work. And then, you know, maybe have your slightly more footballing players on, on either side of him. Um, I, th I think he'd... It, I think he'd be fine with either, but a back four was definitely what he played at Black, Blackpool. Um, I did watch his play against Millwall, but to be honest, I can't remember whether they played a back four or a back five. I think it's um, a back, back five, I think, predominantly. Yeah. I think they played in back five, which is where I found the, the contrast quite interesting because the way we flip between it, speaking of Millwall fans and speaking to yourself, Matt, it does seem like he's capable in, in both, which is ideally what you want, isn't it, I suppose? 
Yeah, and and, and in a back five, obviously, you, you sort of one a couple of your centre halves might have a, an imperative to play a bit more football to bring it out a little bit more. And although I wouldn't naturally say that would what he would be in your side for he wouldn't be horrendously out of place doing it. You know, I mean, he's certainly never going to be a wing back. He's never going to, he's never going to be um, a full back or a wing back, but he, he can, you know, he can take a ball down and he can find a, another player. He can advance with the ball and occasionally he can, he can, he can be quite good fun because he's like one of those players that just every now and again, he'll have a shot. And it's just good fun because it's kind of fun when a centre half does that. Um, every now and again, have a shot, or every now and again, he'll he'll sort of he'll do a Cruyff turn and pass it to someone. And you just go, where did that come from? Because he just doesn't he doesn't look physically like that sort of player. And I'll tell you the other thing I always wanted us to do with him, and we we, we rarely, if ever, did. He's that centre half who you always sort of, even though it's probably disastrous, you always have a slight feeling that he could actually be fantastic if you played him up front. You know, if you had an injury crisis and you're like oh we've got no one and he always just feels like we'll stick Dan Ballard up front because he'll win he'll win a lot of headers and he's actually not bad at football so he might he might not be a bad bad bet if you just want to wacky dad him when you're looking at a goal you know with five minutes to go or something so there's football in him but like I say I'd play him in the middle of a back five and I think he's relatively comfortable on either side of the back four and without wanting to go on too much again a very young player. He was the youngest player in our back four, but but at times he felt like the player who was the most adaptable and was the most assured. So would be least thrown by maybe going from the left of centre back to the right of centre back, um, and and sort of fitting around the players with him and just doing what doing what he does and trusting in his own game. I think that's I think that's probably that sentence I got to there. He's a player that just. He trusts his own game. He knows what his own game is. It's a relatively simple game, but he, he just does it really well. And I think, he, again, he's exactly he's exactly what a new, newly promoted team needs um, in that respect. I think final question for me is probably one that's difficult to answer because I'm asking you to look into a crystal ball, but it was based on what someone had said to me um, via a DM when as soon as we kind of heard that he passed a medical, obviously at the time of speaking, he hasn't signed, but he's, he's going to sign. If he doesn't, I'm not like an idiot, but there you go. Um, but someone said, I said, you know, what's he like? And they came back and said, yeah, you know, I've watched him quite a bit. He's uh, If he continues on that trajectory, I could see him being there a couple of years and going for 20 plus million. Now I know that inflation's flying up, as we all know. But how accurate is that statement? Has he got the ability to be a, a sort of 20 million pounds and a half if everything goes right? Yeah, I think he's got the ability to play at a higher level above the championship. Um, I mean, frankly, I, I don't watch a lot of Premier League football. It doesn't really float my boat, but... Um, in my head, he could at least be a sort of Southampton level player. You know, he, he's 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 got a class about him, and it, he's got the self assurance of a of a of a class player. You know, like I said before, we've had. X number of players on loan from Premier League clubs who have obviously got loads of technical ability, but they don't have the mental game. They don't, whether it's reading the game, whether it's the self-assurance, whether it's sort of um, the... I don't know, the, the team play and understanding where their technical skills fits within the team. They've just not looked 
anything really and and I've ended up you know we've ended up replacing them with a with a substandard footballer who who is much better mentally and, and Ballard really really has that he's one of them players where you wonder he's a he's not he's a big unit but is he quite a big enough unit for the top level if that makes sense I think he's about six two and you know if he was six four then you think, it's like we had for years, we had a goalkeeper called Steve Banks, who was possibly the best goalkeeper I've ever seen play, except he was five foot 11. And I always felt with Banksy, if he'd have been six foot three, he'd have played for England. And Ballard has got that air where he's a big lad, he's muscular, he's strong, he's got that kind of granite centre-back look, but he's not quite as big as some of the very, very best players. And he might just find that counts against him of being sort of, a, you know, a real elite level centre-half. But I definitely think, I definitely think he's a player who could, if Sunderland are going to go and sort of push on and, 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 and you know, become more than an, a, an established championship club or a mid-table club and go and push on for promotion, he's a player who can definitely go on that journey with you and, 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 and be part of that. Like I said, I could see him fitting absolutely into side of the Huddersfield that finished fourth, I think they did, um, or Forest or somebody. I could see him playing for them. And I could definitely see him, you know, playing for sort of Southampton or someone I'm not sure whether he's ever quite going to be a Man City or a Liverpool player. I'm not sure that. But yeah, he's, he's got that quality in him. And I think he's a player that probably wouldn't have been released from a, another Premier League club that maybe played in a slightly less um, uh, technical way than Arteta's Arsenal try to do. How do you lot feel about Embleton now? Because last time I spoke to Sunderland fans about Embleton, the response I got was, yeah, he's all right. You know, he's not that special. And obviously he came to us and he did, he did pretty well for us. And I, But I could see with Embleton, both sides, he scored some fantastic goals for us. And he had a super, couple of superb games where he just looked, his brain was fantastic. But he also had some games where I could see why there was a bit of an ambivalent feeling about him. How do you feel about him after the after the season you've had where he's been part of your team a lot more. You can definitely see that his loan at Blackpool did have an absolute world of good. Um, I was very much erring on the side of, eh, he's all right. He should be doing better before his Blackpool loan. Um, so a few times he's got into the team at the start of the season before he went on loan at Blackpool and within a couple of games he'd be out of it. So I thought uh, I'll get in the team at the start of the season and that might happen the same. He ended the season on, I think it was eight goals and eight or nine assists, which is a tremendous return for someone who didn't play or didn't start 46 games. Um, obviously he scored at Wembley. I think he really benefits from having the likes of Alex Pritchard around him and other like Patrick Roberts. He seemed to really come into his own when he had, when he wasn't the only creative force that needed to be there, when Alex Pritchard got fully fit, when Patrick Roberts came in and he could just kind of drift around. And obviously, I know the goalkeeper could have done better with his goal at Wembley, but I think that was his eighth and ninth goal of the season. And from a player who hasn't actually started every single game, he started a lot, but not every game. I think he's been an asset and I really think he could push on in the championship. And I think for once... Um, a player with potential that I thought could have been championship maybe higher when he was very young because he was obviously in the England under 17, 18, 19 squads. Looks like he might actually realise most of that potential. Um, some people still on the fence with him, I think, but I think in the main, 
if Lorna Blackpool, I think more Sunderland fans would say he's done the absolute world of good and um, probably the best thing that could have happened for him. And thankfully, he's got promoted with us and, and he'll be in the championship with us because I don't think he would have been one of those players we would have hung on to had we not got promoted this season, if I'm completely honest. Um, so yes, in short, he scored at Wembley. I absolutely love him. I've got a picture of it on my wall um, and he gave me a great memory. So yes, and obviously always nice to see a local boy do well as well and he's he's red and white through and through. So thanks for uh, thanks for helping him become the player that he probably should be, Matt. because <laughs> right, we'll wrap up now, but there's one, there's a couple of little touches that Embo did in that season that were just yeah. fine. He's got, he's got this little... He's got this vision and, and he does... I, I always love players who, when you watch a lot of football, you know what's going to happen next. You kind of mm-hmm. agree. I always love players who just make you go, oh, what's it? You know, you kind of don't quite follow the route of the ball. And there's a couple of little touches that, that were beautiful. Um, he definitely but- has that. He definitely has that. I mean, the biggest compliment I can give him, now people will say, well, he lost the game 5-1, but anyone who was there will remember the game against Arsenal in the quarterfinal of the... The cup, he hit the crossbar, he set the goal up for Broadhead. He did not look out of place for about 60-ish minutes against Arsenal and a, a good, relatively strong Arsenal team, which, um, let's be honest, is far and wide away from where we need him to be next season. So that's probably the biggest compliment I can give him. He didn't look out of place against a good Premier League team. Yeah, and what's interesting is that sort of a player like Roberts, who's sort of one of those players that's never really quite caught mm-hmm. fire, what I found with Embleton is when we brought him in, he sort of immediately, Kai Kai, who was our kind of enigmatic, he scored a belter against, belt against you, I think he did. Yeah. Um, who was sort of our enigmatic player. Suddenly he just kind of, he just kind of perked up immediately playing with Embleton. And Embleton seemed to have quite a subtle and canny way of feeding and prompting and, and making space for other creative players. And exactly with us, what you said before, he struggled when it was like, go out and run the game yourself. But when there was a pair of them, that he, he just, I, I had this bit of running joke about how, how um, Embleton was Kai Kai's best mate because they just look like they love playing together. So yeah, you know, with players like Roberts, I think that's, that's probably a good sign. Good catching up as always, Matt. And I will see you next season, which is great. Indeed. It appears the scarf pick for Dan Ballard, the 22-year-old Arsenal centre-back, is pending. Um, if you're like me, though, and you know very little about him, then you'll be pleased to know that I'm joined by Ollie from That Millwall Podcast to discuss Northern Ireland National, who spent a season on loan at the Den last year. But before we begin, Ollie, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, same old, mate. Plowing on, just want the football back, which... Uh, it's not too far away. We're talking about Simon, so it's always positive. We're going to be digging deep into Dan Ballard chat ASAP, but before we do, I think there'll be many Sunderland fans that noticed that you picked up former Sunderland captain George Twentyman this week, and you seem to be putting together quite a decent side. What what are the hopes for Millwall this coming season? I think I think for us it's playoff push. We've lost Jed Wallace, which is you know a big big uh, loss in our changing room, big character in our changing room. But with Zion Fleming coming in from. Fortuna Sittard and Honeyman coming in, I think playoff push should be on. What, ninth last year? Yeah, yeah, ninth. Like just round the playoffs, just missing out on a couple of points, which we should be getting, really. I think when it comes to obviously looking at last season, I can't claim to know much about the championship because we've been in a one season out of about 11 seasons and um, just parachuted straight through it. But um, obviously yeah. you did, as you touched on, you had a flirt with the playoffs and our new signing or alleged new signing as we speak, uh, Dan Ballard was a big part of that. Obviously, 
yeah. I think we're both aware of the size of Sunderland Association Football Club. I don't need to speak about that. Um, and we've spoken off air about it as well. But how much is a how much of a coup is a signing like Dan Ballard for essentially a newly promoted club? I think it's a fantastic signing. You know, Blackpool wanted him and they finished mid-table. We wanted him, um, but I think we dropped out because we don't have the funds for it because we've spent money on uh, honeymoon and planning. If, if we did have the funds there, we would have gone in for him 100%. Um, we're looking at alternatives now in Charlie Cresswell and I think a couple of others, but I'm not too sure. Regarding Ballard, you know, say coming to Sunderland or not going to Millwall, is that a bit of a blow considering where, where you want to be? Was he a big part of that team last season? Um, he missed out a couple of games, like towards the start of it because of a knee injury. But I think that should be under the rugs now. It should all be fine. Um he only played like 30 games for us, which was massive in our back three on the right-hand side. He was great there. He like fit in straight away. Um, it was literally the first game of the season and he was you know, there making tackles, getting involved. Um, he reminded me a bit of Vidic at the start because he was flying in left, right and centre, getting the, getting the slide tackles in, blocking, blocking shots and all that sort of stuff. Regarding obviously him as a player himself, um, centre-halves come in different shapes and different sizes, especially these days and There'll be loads of Sunderland yeah. fans that are intrigued as to whether he's is he a ball player. Put him down in like a paragraph. How do you describe Dan Ballard from what you've seen? He's probably a mix of both. If you look at his passing stats from from our, from our season, he was very progressive, very forward thinking sort of player. But then he's not afraid to do you know grudge work at the back, so blocking shots, making hard tackles. I quite I find it quite interesting you touched before about the the formation and, and where he plays and stuff like that. Obviously, Sunderland last season, the fans all know, we flirted between sort of a back three and then a back four. And the playoffs was a back four. Prior to that, it was a back three. And that was the same under Alex Neal and Lee Johnson. It seems like he's played more of a back five or back three, whichever you prefer, at Millwall. And you said you kind of seem to prefer him there on the right-hand side. Is that where you'd recommend Sunderland play? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, back He plays in our back three on the right-hand side with either Cooper or Hutchinson in the middle or and then Murray Wallace or Cooper on the left-hand side. Um, he kind of dominated that spot. It was either him or Hutchinson. Um, Hutchinson's like a 32-year-old centre-back for us, but a great veteran for us. Um, I know to push him to be better and then, you know, Hutchinson is great for, for him, his development as a player. Um, and two mil for Daniel Ballard is an absolute coup for, for especially a newly promoted side to the Championship. I haven't seen Sunderland spend that amount of money since, well, Will Grigg, but that's a different conversation for a completely different day. Um, we've got used to picking up players on, on lower transfer fees or free transfers. And obviously it's the first time it seems, you know, that the mooted transfer fees between 1.7 and 2 million. First time we've spent it in a while, but nobody seems, not from the, the Millwall side anyway, seems to be surprised by that have we got ourselves potentially a bit of a bargain is it a fair transfer fee yeah definitely you know he slots straight into our side pretty much um and it was only because of a knee injury and a bit of i think something happened with his eye at some point as well during the season where he just missed out two two three games uh but basically when he got back fit he was straight back into the side um and we was mid-table pushing playoffs so especially for a new newly promoted side two mil for basically a top half championship player, it's pretty decent. 
Yeah, sounds like the Steelers is all sudden far too good for my liking, if I'm honest. His knee will go in the first game or something. Hopefully not, if you listen, Dan. Please stay fit because you sound pretty decent. Um, obviously, with every player, especially in the championship, more so League One, there's going to be a level of weaknesses somewhere. And as much as I want to talk about all the good things that are there for him, if you were to pick out a weakness, can you pick out any weaknesses for him? Anything that he's got to learn yet? He's still a young boy. Um, I mean, he's 22, so he's on the on the upside of academy graduate sort of um, area. But from what I saw in Millwall, he didn't really have many weaknesses to his game. Uh, the only thing he would get probably nicked out on is just speed, probably. That's, you know, so if, and probably Sunderland playing probably a deep line, I doubt he'll be, you know, too, too hard to break. We're looking at speed and stuff like that as well. Do you think that's potentially one of the reasons that Arsenal haven't promoted him? Because obviously 22 is a great age for a signing for a championship club or even low-end premiership or many clubs. 22 is a good a good age to sign someone, but obviously he hasn't really broken in Arsenal's side. Could that potentially be down to stuff like speed? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I think for the Premier League, you need a bit of speed, um, especially with like, you know, attackers like Sterling and... Greenish and all that, they've got speed. In Championship, it's not so much about speed in attackers. It's more about their technical side. Obviously, he spent time along the Blackpool where he got promoted via the playoffs before he did join Millwall. I feel like I'm asking a question that I know the answer to here, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, from what people have said at Blackpool, and I'm, I'm close friends with a few Blackpool fans, and they all really liked him, but League One's a completely different kettle of fish. In comparison, last season was obviously his first season in the championship. He's played 33 games there. Did it take him long to adjust or did it did he just kind no. of look like he'd been there all, all no. the time? He he literally, he literally fat like fit like straight in. It was like a missing piece of the puzzle for us, really, in our defense. Touch number four about him kind of going in tackles and come that kind of more physical side to his game. I think players and in, in fans do like players that will kind of wear their heart on the sleeve, they'll, they'll but put a tackle in, especially up in the northeast, and I assume it's exactly the same way you're from. We're both working class areas that enjoy yeah. that kind of player. Is Dan Ballard the kind of person that fans are going to take to you because of that? Yeah, yeah, I really liked him. Um, he he would always put in a you know big tackle when needed. I spoke to um, a former player of both sides, sort of towards the back end of last season, Conor McLaughlin, who obviously played for both clubs, uh, some in League One, Millwall, in the, in the Championship. Um, he was quite open and honest in saying that through all the clubs that he's played for. Obviously, Sunderland fans is a big expectation, but Millwall's as big and, and maybe surprisingly so. The size of a club, especially with Sunderland, can definitely overwhelm players and specifically younger players, and we've seen it before. Does he seem like the kind of personality that would just take that in his stride, though? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, Millwall have the best, have the second best time record in the championship last year. Um, it's, it's a big place to go especially like even for like a 30 year old championship veteran it's a it's a tough place to go uh we saw Leicester in the FA Cup a couple of years back and Ben Shibble just buckled under the pressure he, he uh, Steve Morrison came out in an interview and said he didn't want to take any throw-ins which you know all middle fans they cried in so yeah but Ballard literally he he loved it he, you know he he got the crowd going the crowd got him going it was kind of mutual really from a Millwall perspective, you've touched before about how you see you as pushing for playoffs and getting into playoffs. That's where you want to be. If you finish ninth, that has to be the aim. I kind of half expected that, I half get it. For Sunderland, it's a bit of a weird one because we go into the championship as historically one of the, the bigger clubs. Um, 
But I think me personally, like I, I think I said a few weeks ago, if we finish 15th, brilliant. That would be great. Nice, comfortable season sitting in 15th. However, we're signing a player here that, as you said yourself, you've said loads of good stuff, is a top half player. Does this indicate that maybe from an outside perspective, Sunderland are going to come in this division, not just to stay safe and that we could maybe do a bit more? Well, from my perspective, uh, I think you'll be a bit like a Blackpool from last season, um, who came in, finished mid-table, very comfortable, um, especially with Daniel Ballard in your ranks. You know, you're looking at mid-table at a minimum, really. Overall, it sounds to me that, you know, the player we've picked up here, obviously he's chased by Burnley, he's chased by Sheffield United, been chased by Millwall, all top half championship clubs. I think essentially there's no bad words to say here, Ollie, is that you've pretty much praised him to the hill and we've got the best centre half in the championship, haven't we? Well, I wouldn't say the best, you know, but he's he's definitely one of the one of the up and comers. Definitely. And for the Southern fans that are going to be listening in, which hopefully will be one or two of them, um, what would you say to them about Dan Ballard signing? Should they be excited? How excited should they be? Oh, they should be over the moon. They should be over the moon. Oh, I, I really wanted him to come back to the den. Um, but it looks like you've gone for four years. I, I can't, I, to be honest with you, I can't see him there for two, uh, for more than two. He'll be picked up. He'll be picked up by a Premier League team, I reckon. Unless we get promoted, of course, Ollie. Oh, oh yeah, unless, <laughs> unless you, you take the championship by storm. Ollie, before I let you go, obviously, um, we're into a new season. There's going to be a lot of championship content, which previously on, on this show, it's only ever been League One. We're going to be packing as much as we can, but where can we find you personally on Twitter and where can we find uh, that Millwall pod on Twitter and, and all the other Millwall content heading into the season? Uh, so, Mill for me, it's just Oliver Tomlin free on Twitter. Um there's tons of mill podcasts. I can't. T- I literally there's loads, but there's too many. The, uh, that mill at that mill podcast on Twitter. There's also Axon Mill and others. Mill content. Kai Bennett. He's also a very good journo for us. So yeah, definitely check him out. Perfect, Ollie. Yeah. Thanks very much. And as for everyone listening, obviously you'll know it's a it's a new season. Um, exciting for all of us. We had a great summer. Remembering that day at Wembley, which felt like it took 35 years, and that's because mm-hmm. it did. Thanks for joining me and giving us. A lot of excitement about Dan Bollard, which is great. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me on, mate.